that image of her on the stairs when mm-hmm. the door is left open mm-hmm. um, feel like it was from a horror film. And I had this image in my head of her standing on the stairs barefoot and that the wallpaper and the curtains would be matching. Like they were, like it was doll's house almost, you know, yeah. I feel like she was trapped inside this like perfect little doll's house, but that it would be completely terrifying. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode takes us behind the scenes of director Julia Hart's new drama, I'm Your Woman. Set in the 1970s, the film tells the story of Jean, a woman who is forced to go on the run after her professional thief husband betrays his partners, sending her and her baby on a dangerous journey. In addition to I'm Your Woman, Ms. Hart's directorial credits include the feature films Stargirl, Fast Color, and Miss Stevens. Ms. Hart spoke with fellow director Tyree Chapeau about filming I'm Your Woman in front of a virtual audience. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Hello. You have to excuse me. This is my first time doing this. I have no, uh, I'm just excited to mess up a little bit at the beginning because I'm here to talk to Julia Hart about her, honestly about everything, but also about her phenomenal new film, I'm Your Woman. Hello. Hi. Thank (laughs) you so much for doing this with me. I'm a big fan of your movie and I was same. Glad to do this. <laughs> it's very fun. It's fun to talk to people whose work you enjoy. Um, yeah. So, okay. This was my, I, I was trying to come up with like a really good first question because I feel like in these things, when I'm getting asked questions about stuff, the first question is always, how did you come up with this idea? Which feels so, it's like, I have to, I feel like then I have to explain my whole life in order to get to the point of like starting one idea. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm just who I am. That's how I came up with it. Uh, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I totally know what you mean. And also you get to the yeah. point where you've answered that question so many times. You just have a response you in your head. Hear yourself say it anymore. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you. That's why my first question is a little bit different. Um, uh, I was wondering as I was watching it because I've seen a lot of mob films. I've seen a lot of crime movies. It's one of my favorite genres. Um, And something that I, or a question that I always have for other writers and directors of things is when you're creating something or when you're working on a story, can you, or by the time you get to the end of the end of a project, no project is ever over, but by the time you've released that project into the world and let the world decide what it is, can you think back to the beginning and do you have like, do you remember like the first image or the first thought that came to your head where you latched onto it and you were like, this is it, this is the story, this is that movie, whatever it's gonna end up being, this is the image that got you there. A hundred percent. And I love thinking about it that way. Um, It's the, uh, have you seen Michael Mann's movie Thief? It's his first feature. Okay, if you love the genre, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, I love the genre too. And um, there's a—I don't want to give anything away since you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But there's a moment. Let's talk about it after you see it. But there's a moment <laughs> where um, Tuesday Weld gets in a car and drives off. She plays mm-hmm. James Bond's. Um, can't remember if it's his girl if they actually get married or if she's just his girlfriend. But um, mm-hmm. um, and I, the first time I saw that movie. Uh, and I saw that image, I couldn't stop thinking about like what 
happened next to her. Mm. Um, and so that was definitely the beginning of the character of Jean and, and her journey. Mm, that makes sense. The woman getting left behind, the woman, the children getting sent to the safe house, that sort exactly. of thing. Exactly. And the really cool stuff happens to the men and they go off to war and all of that. And nobody, and nobody ever, they just, the women just disappear. Like they just are not in the story anymore. And the men go kill everyone or get killed, you know, and then, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> I, have child, I have a child banging on my door. Yeah. No worries. How old is this one? Live Zoom webinars. Um, <laughs> it is two. Okay. Yes. Oh, well. You can't really fault a two-year-old for <laughs> interrupting anything. And I yeah. also I also have an open door policy. I feel like I remembered, I think it's Toni Morrison who did the same thing, who always had her door open when she was working with her kids at home. I don't, I never want to say to them, like, you can't come in here. I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. it was Toni Morrison. Um, and I just love that. And you know, sometimes it leads to this kind of thing getting interrupted, but who cares? Because sometimes it leads to them bringing me, you know, a ladybug or hugging me. It's like, that's you know, really nice. I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> gaining by not letting your child interrupt you, but there's yeah. so much gain by letting them interrupt you anyway. Do they ever go with you to set? Yes. Oh, that's you amazing. relocate <laughs> the whole family because Jordan, so Jordan, yeah. My husband, who we write together and he produces and I direct, um, we're very lucky that we get to go make, you know, he makes some stuff without me, but mostly at this point, especially now that we have two kids and we're making a lot of um, movies together, it's just easier to just like have that be the, the um, professional focus. And it's so nice because we get to keep the family together. But yeah, they, I know there's going to be a day when they don't want to come with us anymore, but we've really. <laughs> Packing them up and taking them to Albuquerque where we shot yeah. and Stargirl and then Pittsburgh where we made I'm Your Woman. So it's it's been and our amazing nanny um, who's been with us for four years um, comes with us and sometimes yes. my mom comes with us. We're very, very lucky. But yeah, it's a whole it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot, but it's kind of thrilling to hear you guys do it or to see you all do it and to see you all out and to read interviews with you all together and to hear about how you support one another and how like every example of working parents talking about being working parents in this industry is helpful and is useful because I think that it you know, it inspires us to have conversations about childcare on set and about yeah. creating an environment that's all inclusive in that sense so that it's not making a choice between seeing your family ever and doing a project. None of us should have to make those choices. So no, I, um, I, I keep my sets and it's part of what's sad I think about right now during COVID because families mm -hmm. visit, but like I always encourage yeah. people if it, if it makes sense for them, like their children are always welcome to come the children mm. are always welcome to come to set and, and actors, I think in particular appreciate that. Cause a lot of the time they don't get to go home at night to their kids. Yeah. Mother state. Yeah. Um, and so I always, when, when, when people can have their kids come visit, I always encourage people to bring my kids are on set all the time. Um, and um, I do think it's important to normalize it. My favorite story about it was when my older son was two when he, it was kind of the first, it was the, the set of fast color. And it was kind of the first time he 
was like consciously on a set and wasn't like a baby in a baby carrier. <laughs> yeah. And he said to our, our nanny Amarino, he said to her, um, why is everyone looking at mama? And Marino said, because mama's in charge. Oh my gosh. I loved, I I didn't hear this, of course, like she just relayed it to me later. And I just loved, um, I just loved that, you know, that's how how we start to change perceptions in young men, young white men, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing women and people of color in leadership roles from a young age, you know, yeah, can make all the difference. Yeah, where it's just the normal thing and that's just it is what it is and mom's the boss here and that's just what it is I love that that's great that's really that's really interesting that's also kind of I I mean watching I'm your woman it feels like well but this is also because well no it feels like it's a it's a story about motherhood but also about slightly larger about how women the identity of women tends to be connected to their relationship to other people. So a woman is somebody's daughter, a woman is somebody's sister, somebody's mother, somebody's wife. And it's fascinating to watch this story, I'm your woman, um, and to see this character go from identity to identity. And it even felt like as she, like, a, do you know that, that um, you know how on Instagram there's like the God, I hope I'm not stepping in anything, but you know how on Instagram there's the whole like traditional wife, like in like trad wife thing. Do you don't, know about that? I don't know about this, but that sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's just like, you know, maybe I'll be like just I, I'm not super into or I'm not super invested in the community, so I only know it through passing, but watching her put on these different identities, like being this stay at home wife without children in this pink house coat. And then watching her sort of go into this other identity of being kind of like almost a single mom who doesn't really talk to other adults. And like her voice is so soft the first time she speaks after so long, that sort of thing. And then going into this other identity of like, almost like the woman who's waiting for her husband to return from like panning for gold, like the homesteading wife and that sort of identity. It was fascinating to watch this woman be picked up and placed into these other, or into these um, into these identities because I found it to ultimately be a story about a woman who was trying to figure out what it even meant to just be, <laughs> and to just like be a woman alone. And tell me if I'm wrong or not wrong, but what I took from her was that it's, oh God, I, again, I hope I'm not stepping in anything, but it felt as though it's almost not worth it to just be a woman alone because who would want to just be alone? And what if it's not that we're tr- discarding your identity or discarding all of these connections, these relationships, these identities doesn't necessarily lead to freedom. Sometimes freedom comes from leaning harder into those identities, leaning harder into the idea of being a mother, into being a nurturer, into being somebody who cares for the collective. Um, That was a lot of rambling, but I just wanted to know what you thought about that. Talk about my movie all day. Yeah. (laughs) I feel so lucky that I'm getting to sit here talking to a filmmaker who I respect and admire and have you like, so get what the movie was up to, but also just like analyze it and speak about it so beautifully. So thank you. Um, yeah, no, like I, I, I don't love the notion that 
feminism means rejecting any type of traditional female roles. I actually, for me, feminism is embracing whatever kind of woman you want to be, yeah. whether that, um, you know, the pres- the vice president of the United States mm. or housewife. Mm-hmm. Like, I think all, like whatever it is you want to be as a woman, feminism should allow you to be that thing and be it proudly. Mm. Um, and so I really love the idea of telling a story about an ordinary woman who her greatest ambition is to be a wife and mother. Yeah. And that um, obviously that bubble bursts and uh, several times for her, you know, in infertility, in the betrayal of uh, and disappearance of her husband, you know, mm-hmm. she, she's constantly kind of having to reassess what those roles mean to her and those, and, and, and like put on a new identity and then take it off and put on a new identity and take it off. And it was super fun to explore that with my costume designer. Um, yeah. And, um, and Rachel Brosnahan who plays Jean. Um, but I, I love this idea too, because I think, I think this, it's so interesting, right? Cause we wrapped this movie in December of 2019. Mm. It suddenly took on this whole new relevance and putting it out in quarantine in 2020. Oh um, yeah. Because I, do, I don't think we want to be alone. And I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, as you said, like, what does it mean to be a woman alone? And how, and how hard and isolating and lonely that can be. And I think ultimately the message that I wanted to send was that, like, it is about shedding, shedding those ideas of what connections a woman should have and just embracing the ones that are better for you. Mm, yeah. The idea of, you know, getting pregnant and giving birth you know, there was shame for her in not having it go the way it was supposed to go, you know, and this platonic relationship with Cal and this um, bond that she creates with Terry and understanding um, this, this new idea of what motherhood is for her and embracing that too, you know, that like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not necessarily about like being alone and being a strong woman. It's about embracing I think, I think I said it already, but just embracing the connections that are better for you or embracing the reality of like, who cares that she couldn't give birth to this child, this child is right. life and she's his mother now, you know? Yeah. Um, and that it's like, it's not, it, it might not look like what you wanted it to look like or what you thought it, that identity isn't necessarily about what you thought it should be or what you wanted it to be. It's about what it is. Mm-hmm. That's and that, well like, said. just being, just being who you are as a woman is all you have to be. Flaws like and that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really that. Also, makes a lot of sense. Just you know, in talking to you about kids on set and motherhood and being a filmmaker and being not just a filmmaker, but a filmmaker who's busy and <laughs> has like a lot on her plate and. Um, not necessarily juggling those things and those identities, but how do we, or creating an environment in which all of those identities are accepted and like are a part of who you are. So it's not as though you, or actually that's a good question. Do you feel as though you have to put on like your, do you you feel as though when you put on your, God, this is such a weird way to say it, but when you put on your director hat, (laughs) do you feel as though you have to like take off a mother hat and also I should preface this by saying 
I don't want to just like in terms of identities, I don't want to just talk about you as a mother who is also a director and as a writer, but I'm also like a young woman who's a director who one day wants to be a mother. And I'm like, Jesus, who do I? Like who, how will I know about these things? I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I actually love talking about it because it is such an okay, important, and, and you know, that's so cool that as a young woman who is a filmmaker and wants to be a mother someday, you're curious about that. And like, I'll be there for you when the time comes. I really appreciate I that actually. <laughs> there aren't a lot of us and we need to stick together. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not easy, but it's also like the two best things like I just I feel so lucky that I get to have both of those things and that I get to put both of those things together um by having my kids on set and just making people deal with it but yeah I I I don't I couldn't take the hat off (laughs) if I wanted to like I kind of just wear all the hats together Mm. and it it sometimes takes crews a minute to like adjust to that because I think Mm. it is different I think I'm in this like really interesting in-between generation of female um, or, or women who are in charge in this industry. Cause mm-hmm. I don't just say directors, like yeah. they're so obviously producers and executives and, and, and um, presidents of studios. And like, there are a lot of women, there are a lot of leadership roles that women can take on in this industry. And I'm in this interesting in between generation where, um, you know, I, I didn't have to like, you know, I think there, there is an older generation of women in this industry who had to put up with even more sh- than we have because they had to be the first women in those positions and had to maybe hide some of their femaleness or couldn't Mm. talk about their kids because people wouldn't give them a job if they were worried about like them having to deal with their kids, you know? And so I feel really lucky that I've benefited from a lot of that and been able to be really unapologetic about my femaleness as a leader and my mother, my status as a mother. Um, in leadership, like Disney hired me to make um, Stargirl when I was six months pregnant and they moved production. They had initially wanted to shoot around my due date and they moved production three months. And, you know, I was still making a movie with an eight week old baby and that was hard, but they really took good care of me. And I don't know that that would have happened even 10 years ago, you know, at a major studio. Yeah. Or, or it wouldn't have been a part of the publicity and marketing. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't have been a plus. It would have been a hassle. Exactly. So I think it's, I think for me, it's important to wear all the hats at once because I'm, I'm just kind of who I am. And I don't, I don't know that I would have survived back when you had to hide those things or not talk about those things, because that must be really hard. I couldn't do it. I don't know. Sometimes I think about that. Like, I don't know if I would. Yeah, I think about that sometimes. I don't know if 10 years ago I would have been able to stomach. I don't, I don't, I'm not very good at like swallowing things. Like I'm not great at if something is wrong, if somebody's being treated wrong, if somebody like, I just can't not say so. I can't point at it. I can't not like, I have to poke at it because it feels so things could be easier and like people could be kinder and things don't have to be that difficult. So sometimes I wonder like, or not wonder, but I do feel so grateful to all those who came before me, um, all the women, all the black women, all the people of color who came before me in this industry to just be those people to disrupt things. Um, Yeah. Be those people to disrupt things and to, 
to take the hits so that the, it's was kind of smoother for the rest of us. And, and it's still hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you know, like I, I'm a woman, but I'm obviously a white woman. And so that's a totally different thing than being a black woman in this industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I can't even begin to imagine the, the hits that still happen that I don't end up, that don't end up coming my way. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's, I think it's better. I think it's finally, especially after this year, maybe a little bit better. Um, but oh, I think it's better. Work to do. Yeah, of course. And I also, God, what would it look like if there wasn't work for us to do? You know, what would <laughs> this industry look like if we were, you know, if every set were ADA accessible and like everything was so like, I don't even, I don't know what that would look like. Not because it doesn't exist or it's impossible, but because part of me thinks it would require, you know, stripping things down to their bones and kind of figuring out how to build the system back up again. Yeah. There are I guess so that's many, with most things. There's so many systems in place that can't, yeah. that are already so set in their ways and, yeah. you know, all of that, that it's, it's, that's really interesting to think about it that way. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have another <laughs> question. So um, this is, I had a question about just like the color of the film and the color story of it. I think I, I mentioned earlier that pink house coat that Jean starts out in. And then when she walks into the house and I'm, I, I, I watched the beginning of this film a lot of times because <laughs> I just love when a film starts out and it feels like a storybook is opening. Um, and I think that this does that really well. And then I, I keep rewatching the beginning of the film because of that color story that's told as soon as she walks into the house. And it's just that perfect, creamy, like buttery yellow of a happy home. And then when um, her husband, uh, Eddie, walks in and he takes off his coat and they're sitting on the couch, she's in pink and Eddie's in that blue and they're in this yellow home. And it just felt like I was watching, like that moment always makes me feel like I'm looking at... Um, like a catalog for those model homes or something like that, like the billboards on the side of the road. If you lived here, you'd be home right now, like something like that. And it's just like seeing how you all, or seeing how you all use color throughout the film. I just couldn't help but wonder what was that process of choosing all the color, of just like the color story process for you and the production designer and what? yeah. I like literally want you to do DVD commentaries for my movie. (laughs) (laughs) Talk through all of the images. I just fun to hear you talk. How do people make these things? That's every time I watch a movie, I'm just like, how did they do it? Well, so yeah, I have, I, I, I love color. Music and color are my two favorite things about. That makes a lot of sense. And um, I have a really amazing team. This was, for some of us, our third movie together, and for all of us, our second movie together. And mm-hmm. there's something so great about when you find your family, your crew family, and you're all just like vibing in the same oh, yeah. way. And something that I always do in prep is we have a color meeting with mm-hmm. all my department heads. And we, um, Gay Buckley, my production designer, so she, this is our, I'm Your Woman is our third film together. And um, she's a genius, which helps. But um, always, we, she in the art department puts up um, like a photo essay of each location in story order. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is about, about color. It might not necessarily be something that, you know, it might just sometimes be like a paint 
swatch, you know, yeah. just to talk about what the color of each of the places is. And we walk through it with um, my DP costume designer and, um, and Gay, our production designer, and oftentimes our set decorator too. Um, and we just walk through the whole movie and talk about the color. And I mm. think that everybody being on the same page about what we're thinking, like texture and color that we're thinking about in terms of what they're wearing and what's behind them and, um, and the location and what Bryce, my DP, is thinking about in terms of um, the lighting and the way that we're going to shoot it. It really helps to, I think, paint those pictures exactly as you want them to be if everybody's, you know, on the same page about what's happening in every um, in every location. Yeah. Uh, it is it is pretty spectacular when it all just kind of like when that robe fits her that that like dream yeah <laughs> it's her and looks great on her and that yeah. like blue terry cloth polo shirt too yes. you know when it all just kind of comes together like that it's magical it's like oh okay cool we're, yeah we're, we're in we're in the space that we that we wanted to be in and it's working yeah I love that moment when you're watching a film and it just feels like I mean, it's it's like like it's like this is the point of this movie. Like this whole this moment right here, this image right here in front of my eyes is exactly what I'm doing here. And then I love when it happens again, like an hour later into the film. You're like, this is the point of this movie. This image right here. I feel like that's so. Like sometimes watching a movie feels more like a scavenger hunt for those moments, which mm -hmm. I guess is kind of like conversation or just like, yeah, it's like conversation. Like I I do I think the Oh, that's an, I never thought about it like that. It is kind of like a conversation that you have as a viewer when you're watching a film, you're kind of feeling not what is the thesis of this film? What is this film saying to me? But just what is the point of all of these other frames? Like, what are the frames that all of these other frames are framing? What for you, like, do you have images like that in the film that come to mind? Like if you, not like promotional stills or anything, but just things that in your head, you know what I mean? Because they people choose those and you're like okay I wouldn't have chosen those necessarily but but just like for you what are those like this is the reason everything that is in this movie is for this frame right here do you have any of those oh my god I love this question so much <laughs> um, um that one definitely mm. that and and the fact that he the fact that she um comes into that shot mm, I love that and then he leaves it and mm -hmm. the Based on the couch next to her and just playing with the metaphor and the imbalance of that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that, that was, that was a big one for me. Um, and also just this idea that I think you were getting at about like the billboard or the catalog, mm -hmm. like finding ways to make what are supposed to be, or what we're taught as kids are like safe spaces feel really yeah. dangerous. And that's, that's cool. really fun to do with filmmaking because you're like, this is so pretty. Why does it feel so wrong? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's all about like sound and music and lighting and like taking, yeah. it was really important to me to make that safe house that she first is left at that like tiny mm -hmm. little row house that she's left at feel like totally nice and normal and make her neighbor Evan Evelyn feel totally nice and normal but have everything feel completely wrong oh my god yeah it was so stressful <laughs> it's really stressful and, I, and this image like the predominant images that I had in my head of the film was um that image of her on the stairs when mm -hmm. the door is left open mm. um feel like it was from a horror film and I had this image in my head of her standing on the stairs barefoot 
and that the wallpaper and the curtains would be matching like they were like it was doll's house almost you know yeah. I feel like she was trapped inside this like perfect little doll's house but that it would be completely terrifying and then the other image and it's cool when this happens and I wonder if this ever happens to you where you had a you couldn't possibly have actually create conjured the image because it involves a child and a baby mm -hmm. um you have this dream of what it'll be and then you know that like you'll have no control over it on the day except for what they're wearing unless the baby <laughs> throws up on their costume and you have to have it be something else but there's this image towards the end of the film where um harry gets put in paul the baby gets put in paul's the older boy's lap oh yeah in the car yeah. yeah and that to me yeah. was like a whole movie like this next generation and like how we can we, we can be better so they can be better. Mm -hmm. I, I hoped we'd be able to do it. You know, Damari is a 10 year old boy. This is a squirmy seven month old baby. Like I hoped we would get it. And it's my favorite moment in the movie and the image is even more beautiful than I ever oh, could yeah. imagined. You know, Rachel put, um, I think it was, we had twins and sometimes mm -hmm. I don't know who it is, but sometimes <laughs> I think it was James puts Jameson in Damari's lap and he starts crying. And we were like, oh God. And then he turned and looked at Damari and stopped Yeah, crying. that was amazing. <laughs> Matt, it's Matt. I think I spent all of lunch like watching that take over and over again that day because I just couldn't believe that we had gotten it. Um, but it's that kind of stuff too that's the best where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, there's certain things like I could control a lot of those images, right? I could control that image of Jean in my head on the stairs. I could have the actor stand where I wanted to stand. I could talk to my DP about the shot list and making sure we got that shot that was that image, production design, all of that, right? But then when it's like yeah. a kid baby, it's like, I hope we get something. And then got like the greatest thing, in my opinion, you could get between a child and a baby on camera. So That's it's so cool satisfying. When yeah, when those images that are totally unpredictable come to life is also- yeah. Wonderful. It's cool when the images in your head that you imagined as you imagine them come to life, but then it's even better, I think, when something more than you ever could have imagined. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that's that is that uh, magic is the right word. That, that is the thing that always feels like magic when it's something that you couldn't have even it's like waking up on this is so tr small, but it, it feels like a. I remember the first time that my youngest nephew woke up on Christmas day and he was old enough to understand that it was like Christmas day and you get presents and there's a tree and stuff like that. And he just walked downstairs and he was like, oh my God, who did this? This is amazing. He was like blown away at the production. It was just like the regular thing, but he was finally old enough to understand what was happening. And I feel like that's what it felt like. I love walking onto set and having that feeling of just like, who went into my head and took these ideas and made them real? It feels like magic. It feels crazy. like such a, Christmas it's crazy. It's crazy. What we get to do is crazy. It's, it makes no sense to me. I love it so much. It's, it's really, it's, it's a. Uh... I sometimes when I do the walkthrough of a set with my mm -hmm. partner, my set decorator, like I definitely have cried multiple times. Oh yeah. Like, especially if it's like a hero set, you know, it's a place yeah. lot that you've been living in, in your head a lot. Exactly. And then it's there and it's real. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Cause it feels like, it feels like so much of the, the work before actually getting to set and making the thing 
is like convincing people <laughs> so much of it is just like trust me it's in my head I'm trying to like spell it out on paper but just trust me when all of these elements come together it's going to be magic it's going to be amazing and so then when you finally do get there it really is so cathartic <laughs> it's just like I wasn't lying to myself that whole time it's real and we can all see it and we all did it together I think that's also the thing that makes it so nice it's not just that you alone have done this thing but it's like look at this thing that we all came up with and like figured out how to put on together there's something about the communal aspect of that moment that makes the magic more real um, I'm so to hear you talk about filmmaking that way because that's how I think of it like it's not mm, movie. like it's yeah team of artists and collaborators creating something together and I it I don't know I I wouldn't want to be a director who was like it's my you know you still have to be a leader mm -hmm. and you still have yeah. to make decisions and you still have to know what you want but yeah you can be all of that and do all of that as a team and just be like the team leader or whatever yeah I think team leader is the right way to think about it it's like you know I I, I it's there is something really uh I think that the thing or yeah when I was getting like when, as I was developing Cell in the Spades, I um I worked as a stills photographer on set. And so I would get to see how different directors worked and like how they operated and just like how they talked to crews differently and things like that. And it was really exciting to see because it gave me the chance to understand how sets could work how they've been working and how things could change and how like sets could be run or how different people can run sets differently. I guess before then I sort of had this idea that filmmaking was all kind of the same and like, or not the act itself, but like the way of putting it together was kind of the same and you sort of had to run sets in a certain way. Um, so it's really, the more people or anytime I run into people or work with people who talk about filmmaking in that way and who don't fall into the trap of like me, myself and I alone am responsible for and the creator of this vision. It's really exciting. Um, I think there's like a weird insecurity in that. Like I think yeah. people are afraid if they appear to not be like the grand leader of yeah. everything and the only voice that matters, somehow people will doubt them or think they don't know what they want. And I, yeah. I the opposite to be true, you know, like my background is as a teacher, like mm, I that makes sense. Um, <laughs> where it's about like, listening to everyone and taking care of everyone and sitting in a room with a bunch of young people where I found it was almost more important to model what it means to be a good adult and a good citizen mm. as it was to teach them how to properly construct a sentence. Mm. And um, I definitely took that with me into, into directing. Like you can, there's, it, it's, it's often an insecure person who's afraid to collaborate and not mm. the other way around. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that it's also that, I think that at times we can feel, we can feel possessive of good ideas. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that we can feel possessive of good ideas in part because I don't know actually why we are get possessive of good ideas. But I think that I grew up in a really large family and both of my parents are teachers, which is why when you say you were a teacher, I'm just like, hmm, it makes a lot of sense. Teachers, just, <laughs> teachers know how to or good teachers know how to listen and they know how to like 
leading or, and leading is a really good word that you use because I feel like a director, the thing that they do or the thing that they're most responsible for is just like, kind of just like shifting. <laughs> it's just like keeping every like shifting a little bit, not doing everything, not telling everybody how to do their job or telling everybody exactly what's what, but just like helping shift and helping to like set a tone and helping to just model behavior, model how we're going to react to bad things, <laughs> model how we're going to react to each other and how we're going to treat each other. I feel like that it's really, it's, yeah, it's, it's like with any business or organization, the behavior that gets modeled at the top, it really sets a tone. And that's so, so mm -hmm. important. <laughs> it's so important. It's so important. Yeah. I process. I think a lot of times in this industry, the focus is on the end product and the success of the end product. But I, I like my favorite part of making movies is making them. Mm. And the process, I think, is the most important part. And it's mm -hmm. like, I don't know, who cares if your movie gets nominated for a million awards if you put mm -hmm. people in danger while you were making it or you treated people yeah. disrespected, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Stories, I've heard the stories. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's bad stuff out there. And it's it's just, it's a shame because crews are, extraordinary and they work so hard and they work they work so hard a lot of the time and yeah you know i just i it's important to treat everyone with the same respect and kindness like, it's just, like we all we all we all um we all take our jobs seriously but at the end of the day it is just a movie and yeah it's more important that's the thing at the end of the day, the thing that we are doing is kind of playing and telling stories. Even the most serious of the stories, the most devastating of the stories, the, at the end of the day, it's fiction. Um, even the ones that are based on real life, we are yeah. still getting together to like tell a fictional thing. Um, and that's just so much fun. <laughs> that's like, what? That's so, and maybe this is because I, like I've only made one feature and I've, you know, I. I'm still getting in the game, but part of me is just, it's difficult to not want to collaborate with those who are present on set and with folks, your collaborators before and in the post with the editor, with, you know, Asuka, who's absolutely brilliant and yes. who I adore. I She's amazing. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's that collaboration. Or I think the collaboration is just another word for playing and it's just, it's just playing it's playing together it's playing with ideas and building off of each other to create something that none of you could have made alone and that with a different set of people you'd make something different yeah 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 it's Magic. funny that one of the art forms that takes the most amount of people became one of the ones that focuses on I mean I love you the DGA <laughs> I know <laughs> great directors like it is interesting one of the art forms that requires the most amount of people to create it became one that focuses so much on one individual yeah we gotta break that down let's <laughs> let's just keep breaking that down and I'm all about the I don't know I read the uh who was it Zendaya and for that movie um Malcolm and Marie the how everybody got points on the film or something like that. Now I'm just like, how do we make every film like a co-op and how can everybody be an owner of this? I, you know, this was my first time working with 
uh, lead actress who was also a producer, Rachel. Mm, yeah. Um, with Jordan and was an amazing producer. Nice. Like, you That's know, how awesome. there's some people who take producer credits and don't actually do the work. Like, oh yeah. She, she really did the work and she was such mm. a good partner to Jordan. And she was such a, an amazing asset to me. I felt, I was like, why don't we always do this? Like, why don't we always mm. a, an actor who has certainly like earned her, um, her place of respect in this business, you know, has right. like working forever and finally got, you know, recognized for um, Mrs. Maisel, which is yeah. cool. And she does such amazing work on that show. And it's just such a heart, like she's a, an actor who loves to do her homework and really wants to do a good job um, and takes her job very seriously. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, why don't we give a- an actor who's in every frame of the movie, pa- mo- why don't we empower them? Yep, like why, exactly. They, why do they just why why do they just um get to like show up and and maybe have a say in their job instead of mm-hmm. like larger say and in in pre production it was yeah an asset to the film in production it was an asset to the film in post it was an asset to the film and like I want to do that all the time now I'm like I want my yeah. lead to always be to have a voice in production meetings it 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 makes a difference and it's a it's not the same thing you're talking about but it's a similar idea of like I think that it's more that is such an important part of a project yeah because it's like uh oh what was I gonna say yes everything that you're saying is amazing it's that like okay for instance an actor who's in every single frame of the film almost if you switch out that actor and have somebody else play that role, you're going to have a different movie. No matter if they could say the exact same words, wear the same clothes, you can say the same direct. It's a different movie entirely. How can we not treat them as though they are some of our most important collaborators? And I think that that's, I, I like, and, but I feel like you think about like, um, you know, grip and electric on set. If you switch out that team with a different team, you're going to have a different feeling. <laughs> you're going to have a different movie. person is on set, because yeah. you can't make the movie without them. Exactly. You can't make the movie without the base camp PA. Yeah. Yeah. Person on set. Yes. You yes. cannot Thank make you. a movie without mm-hmm. crafty. Like yeah. every single person on set matters and needs yeah. to. Yeah. Exactly. Horribly that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I think that um, I think that we're talking about the right things. I think that we're moving in the right direction. I think that um, you know. I think that your sets sound really fun. Can't wait to be on one of your sets. Oh yeah, I like to have fun. You know, I think we're doing fun work. Let's just have some fun while we do it. <laughs> That's all. I agree more. Yeah. Okay. I think that we are at our time. How is it already? How I don't I, know. It's been forty-five minutes apparently. Wait. Okay. I, before we end, I just want to ask one more question as like a good. Uh, let me look at mine. Oh, well, oh, I did want to mention this. This isn't my question, but there's that scene where um, I think they're in a motel or they're in the hotel, uh, like a motel and um, Jean's laying on the bed and the baby's next to her and there's um, a circle of towels around the baby. That's to keep the baby from falling off the bed, right? Okay. I've seen that in real life plenty of times. You know, babies are always flopping around and you have to keep them from falling off of things. But I don't think that I've ever seen it in a movie or a show before. Which looking back after I realized that I was like, why haven't I? And I wanted to know if that moment was scripted or 
It was scripted. Yeah, it's funny too. Jordan, this was a script Jordan and I had been working on for years, and that image was in it from draft one. Really? And, you know, it was one of those images that, like, when you're trying to cut time, you know, a couple people were like, "Maybe we should cut that." And I was like, no. "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> that image and the baby's performance there and his interaction with Rachel is mm-hmm. really, really special. And yeah, and it's like you know, that baby wasn't rolling over on his own yet, but he's at that age where he might roll over and like, a, you know, a thin wall of towels probably isn't going to protect him. So it's also, it was this idea of like Gene not really knowing, mm-hmm. crying with the resources she has, but like also maybe it won't work, you know, which is so much of parenthood. It's just like, try, like yeah. you're, you're, you're a novice, you're an amateur as a parent, the most important day of you know your 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 child's life like you're an amateur the day they're born never done it (laughs) yeah you know that's so it was a bit of like a metonymy for the whole idea of you know what I love that parent yeah I love that because what you're saying too it fits so well into um my two favorite moments the one where she was saying to um to Cal, she was talking to Cal about how a baby shouldn't be in this environment. And then he's like, does he laugh? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that moment because it's just such a simple, quiet reassurance. Don't think so much about if you're doing the right thing, focus on what is in front of you and how the baby's reacting right now. And then also when she was talking to, um, when she's talking to Terry about the peas and she's like talking about why do they taste so good? And Terry's like, you just take them out of the can and feed them to them like that. But then she says, like, she's like, oh, I'm a terrible cook. And Terry's just like, do you feed your family? Well, then you're the best cook in the world. And that was probably one of my favorite moments in the movie because I feel like I've heard my mom say, my mom is a really good cook, just in case she ever, she's a really good cook. But I feel like I've heard her say similar things. Like I'm the best cook in the world because I feed my family. And it's so... That moment, the moment about laughter and the moment with the towels around the baby on the bed, it's just like, to me, it's just like, she's just trying. Like if you're trying and you're really trying, that's everything. That's it, that's everything. That's all you can do. And it's, it's, it was just really nice to have this reminder to just try your best. I love that. That's all we can do. And it also yeah. have Marcia Stephanie Blake uh, deliver lines that you wrote. Oh, that she makes. so much. She's, I didn't know, I, uh, I read in an interview that they were in Othello together. Yeah, and really now I'm just, and I, I want to see that so bad. Yeah, oh my God, <laughs> I know. It must've been incredible. And it was David yeah. O'Yell. Um, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> he plays James. Oh, Bond. I know who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Daniel Craig. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, James Bond. That guy. that guy yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah no I have heard that production was phenomenal and I'm really yeah. sad to see it but yeah Marsh Stephanie Blake is like one of our greatest actresses and Amazing. I was really grateful to Rachel for bringing her into my life yeah also a plus of a producer actor again yeah, exactly. you know, they just have a little bit more influence just, that's awesome okay thank you that's our time <laughs> has been so much fun I've learned so much and I'm excited for the future and for everything that comes next I am so grateful to you for being here with me tonight you're awesome this was really fun I almost forgot that maybe some people are watching (laughs) I know me too but then I quickly remembered so it's okay (laughs) okay thank you all right have a good evening bye thanks y'all 
Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned in the coming weeks as we bring you discussions of films from Angel Manuel Soto, Shaka King, and Rada Blank. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally 